Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. <laughs> Aw, babe, just a few. <laughs> All right. I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. <laughs> the smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks. Only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. We'd like to thank our friends at Sleep Number for sponsoring the Thrive Global podcast. Sleep Number is changing the way we sleep with their latest beds, the Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds. They automatically adjust on each side to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Discover the difference at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. Hello and welcome to the Thrive Global Podcast on iHeartRadio. It's hard to describe my guest today because she's so singular. So I'll start by reading the bio that's currently on her Twitter feed. There's nothing more badass than being who you are. I'm a force of nature in fierce stilettos. Lel Mami, chief brand officer at Uber. I am, of course, talking about the one and only Bozoma St. John, somebody I love like a little sister and who I'm happy to say is right here with me in the iHeart Studio in New York. Yay! Welcome! Thank you. And I'm smiling so hard. <laughs> I feel my cheeks are like hurting. <laughs> so I have to tell people how we met. Oh, yes. We met um, at a dinner mm-hmm. uh, hosted by Kristen Lemkow, the CMO of JP Morgan yes. at CES in Las Vegas. Amazing. It was called the Cool Kids Dinner. Yes. And across the table from me was this amazing woman. And I was so drawn to her. I had no idea who she was, but I kept looking at her. And at the end of dinner, you know, I just stood up and... yeah. Went across the table and said, well, hi, I'm Ariana. Who are you? <laughs> you know, and I think it's one of those love connections that has that has made its way out of Vegas. I think we're we're like in the in the positive minority <laughs> of yes, love exactly, matches in exactly. Vegas. It's a love yeah, match that yeah. lasted. I'm telling you. Yes, exactly. Love at first sight. And it lasted. It's amazing. And then we we stayed connected and mm-hmm. we kept talking. Yeah. And then I did my best to seduce her into leaving Apple and oh. joining Uber, which was one of the best things I've done yeah. as an Uber board member. Oh. <laughs> and uh, that's where she's at now. Yes. So let's start, though, with you. Okay. I love following you on Instagram because it's such a mixture of your worldliness mm-hmm. and your fashion and then you as a mom, which mm. I absolutely love. And then you as a spiritual being. Oh. So I actually really want to read what you wrote on Instagram. Why should we weep? That was mm. two days ago. We are rejoicing. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. This was all around Easter. Yes. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Mm. And, you know, I love the fact that you are so open. Mm. about your spiritual beliefs. You have said you are not religious, you are spiritual. Correct. So I'd love to start with that because it's foundational yeah. to who you are. Yeah. And yet it's easy for people to miss because of the glamour and the hair and the, sh- <laughs> and the shoes. <laughs> yes, and all the glitter. I and know. And all the glitter. But I want to get to the substance, yeah. the rock yeah, yeah. of what makes you who you are. Mm. Well, that's a big one. You know, I yeah, I have never shied away from my spirituality. 
as far as my public persona goes, because it really is foundational to who I am. You know, I love scripture. Um, I think there are a lot of really great lessons in it and some good ways of being. Um, I don't know that all the stories are necessarily factually true (laughs) or tactically, but I believe, you know, I believe in their good message and sort of the rules by which we should live as human beings in society. And that particular scripture means a lot to me because, you know, there's been a lot of things that have happened in my life, which could easily be excused for me weeping all the time, you know, that I could live my life as a weeping person and that people would say, ah, okay, I understand. Yes, of course you should weep, but I won't, you know, I I don't. And my joy comes out all of the time and I'm trying to teach my daughter that joy. And so part of, yes, the Easter celebration is that philosophical idea about rising from the dead. I have a quote on my Twitter, which is about the phoenix rising. You know, it's a quote from Nietzsche. It's the same kind of thought that you have to burn in your own ashes in order to rise again. And for you, perhaps the toughest rising was literally after death, which was the death of your husband, Peter. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, there have been two very significant deaths. The first was actually the death of my first daughter which was that she was born and died in the same day, Uh, which for, you know, as I think about it, it's like, you know, we have a word for when you lose a parent or parents, you become an orphan, right? We have a word for when you lose a spouse, a widow or a widower, but there's no word for the person who loses a child. And I don't know if it's because the grief is so encompassing, you know, that you are marked forever by that that there's no coming back from that kind of loss. But I had to come back. I had to come back and be joyful enough to then become mother to my second daughter, who's Lael. And in that lesson has been a lot of the, what I would call like the choices that we make to be joyful. I could be a fearful parent in raising her, you know, knowing that I have lost one and I don't want to lose her by any means. And I could therefore raise her with fear. But that wouldn't be good for her. You know, it wouldn't teach her the simple joys of life and how to be carefree, even though there's lots of dangers in the world. She wouldn't be a a whole person. You know, she was raised by a fearful mother. So I choose to exhibit my happiness and my joy and the carefree nature with which I move in the world so that she can have that kind of balance and foundation. I so identify with that because... I had a stillborn child at six mm. months. Ooh. Uh, it was a little boy. And um, like you, I've always had this longing to become a mother. I have some very close girlfriends who mm-hmm. don't want to have children, and mm-hmm. they're perfectly happy without them. But I always wanted mm-hmm, to become mm-hmm, a mother. Mm-hmm. So losing that child, and I was already 35, mm. so I was already beginning to worry if I would have children. Yeah. So I totally understand that. And it's it's such a hard thing to get over, especially when you don't have any other children. Yes. And then you begin immediately to worry if you'll be able to have another child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how you felt, but until I held Christina safely in my arms, mm. my second pregnancy was filled with foreboding. Oh, absolutely. That it would happen again. Oh, Absolutely. It is very difficult. You know, again, these are the choices that we make. 
nothing in that is automatic. You know, it's not like one day you wake up and magically you feel better. Every day there's a choice. Every day there's a choice to, to really choose happiness and joy and lightheartedness. You know, and again, I, I think it would be okay if I walked around with a heavy heart and was sad all the time. People were like, oh, yeah, there have been some terrible things that have happened in her life. That's why she's like that. You know, instead, I want people to ask, why is she so happy? You know, why is she so joyful? And for all of the things that have happened, she still is able to carry on in a peaceful way. Tell us about the second thing. Yes. So my husband, Peter, which I don't know if there's comparison because, you know, you could say, oh, well, you know, it's like we had already lived, you know, that there was this expectation of a longer life. But it was shocking to us. He died of cancer uh, six months after he'd been diagnosed. And so it was a very quick illness. He was diagnosed with Burkitt's lymphoma, which is a, you know, it's a rare cancer and one that there is not a prescribed treatment for. Unfortunately, neither of us are new to cancer. Both of our mothers battled breast cancer. Both are survivors. And so we went in with like, okay, what's the plan? You know, it's like, there's a treatment plan, there's surgery, like what is radiation? What is the thing? And the oncologist was like, well, there's no real treatment. There's no surgery, but, you know, you can have all the chemos you want. There's a cocktail of chemos, you know. And Peter, being who he was, uh, you know, an ultimate fighter, he even shaved his head into a mohawk when he started to lose his hair. (laughs) And we started calling him the Mohawk Man. Uh, In fact, one of the uh, many Facebook pages we created was that. It was called Mohawk Man. We went in, you know, thinking that this was going to be winnable. That he was going to survive it, of course. Why wouldn't he? He was not yet 44 years old. Like, why, you know, with a healthy daughter at home, great career, beautiful wife. I mean, <laughs> you know. And uh, it was probably about four months into or three months into his treatment that the oncologist was just like, you know what? Nothing is actually going to work. We've tried everything. You've been on nine chemos. You've done radiation. The cancer just keeps coming and it's growing. So you might want to decide how you want to spend the rest of your days. And we were, I mean, stunned, right? You just sit there and you're like, well, what does this actually mean? How much time? And what do we do? And the oncologist was really clear, which now I appreciate, you know, her directness in that, you know, she said, well, each day really is a gift, you know, and each day he's going to get weaker. So you should plan what you want to do every day. See what he's able to do and then figure out what you can act on. And when you when we went home, I mean, it was so overwhelming, right? Because you just you start to think about all of the things that you wish you could do or should have done or God, can we do it? You know, it's like at one point I was like, we should go to Bali. We always want to go to Bali. We should get on a plane and go to Bali, you know. And Peter's like, yeah, so listen, I, I don't want to do that because like, what, if, <laughs> what if something happens to me there? And I was like, oh, no, but then that means that we'll never go together. Like, you know, and that kind of thought was what consumed me. You know, the things that I wish I would have done sooner, you know, or the things that, like, I shouldn't have waited to do. The stuff that was like, oh, well, we could do that, you know, when we retire. Why did we think that way? You know, and so for me, again, this sort of coming back from his death was or is because it's active, right? Active choices every day to do the things that sometimes seem impossible, the things that you would ordinarily say, oh, just wait, wait a few years, you know, save up for that. Don't wear those nice shoes today. It's raining, (laughs) you know, like, no, I'm going to do that right now. You know, I'm like, so yes, I'm going to buy the nice bag (laughs) 
I'm going to carry it in the rain. I'm going to dance in the rain, by the way, in these fabulous stilettos I have on today. And yeah, I'm going to take the trips. You know, I'm going to do the things that I wish I would have done. And why not do them now? And then, just to be completely honest with people listening, it doesn't mean that the grief doesn't come up. Oh, no. It doesn't mean that all that has been eradicated. It's just that when it comes up, because yes. you and I have talked about it. You let yourself experience it, but you also know you can transcend Oh, it. absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. So Peter was very religious. Uh, he's Catholic. Boston, Italian Catholic guy. Like you said before, I'm not religious, right? More spiritual. Uh, but he made me promise that I would raise Lael as a Catholic until she could make up her own mind which was really difficult for me to agree to. But it was one of those deathbed ass that he was so dramatic. You know, he was like, if you don't promise this to me, I will haunt you. And I was like, the hell are you doing? What the? Who says that kind of thing? You know? But he has such a crazy sense of humor. So I was like, fine, fine, I agree. You know? Because while I I might not be religious, I am scared of ghosts. So I was like, please don't haunt me. I swear I'll do it. But anyway, last year, uh, she made confession, right? Her first you know, I was sitting there in that pew with all of the incense like floating around. Oh, God, I missed him so much. I just, I, I wanted him to see it. You know, I was like, man, you know, and you know how many times like I took a photo. I was like, oh, I'm going to send this. And then remembered. Like I did that so many times within the course of the service, even knowing that he was dead. I was still taking photos as if I could show him. And it's in moments like that when the grief can be so overwhelming, right? Because you're thinking, like, why? Why us? Why now? Why him? Why her? You know, couldn't have been something else, someone else, even selfishly, right? Couldn't have been somebody else. Why did this happen to us? And so in those moments, I have to think about how to also choose joy, how to celebrate, even though I'm like, you know, weeping uncontrollably in the pew. And she's like, Mom, stop. You're making too much noise. You know, and I'm like, well, I can't help it. <laughs> you know, but even that I, sh- I share with her, though. I don't I don't hide my grief from her because I think it's really important to be able to also showcase how you work through grief and how you live with grief. Because, again, it's not something you get over. You know, you just work it into your life. I also think that it would be amazing if we can bring the reality of death more into our lives, because yes. even though. What happened to Peter was very unexpected. He was a young, healthy man. Yeah. As the Onion headline put it, you know, death rate holds steady at 100%. <laughs> so yes. not we hop at 44. Yes, but right, right. But at it's some 100%. point in our lives, it's going to happen. It and is. And yet we all live our lives as though it's not going to happen. Right. And uh, I know that when we actually bring that reality into our lives, it puts everything in perspective. So mm. I'm fascinated by the ancient Romans mm. who used to carve MM, memento mori, remember mm. death, mm. onto statues and trees, not out of morbidity. Yeah. Because suddenly all the constant worries and anxieties that we live through mm. seem so incredibly insignificant. Right. So that's another thing maybe we can do together. Yes, you know, yes. I love that Bring death idea. back into our, yes, lives, into our in a, lives in a way that makes all the small problems yeah. seem so irrelevant. And it does. It does. It puts things so much into perspective. By no means exactly to keep it all truthful and transparent. It's not like all of a sudden I've shed the small worries 
or the insignificant things that drive you completely insane (laughs) (laughs) or make you act out or say a harsh word or whatever. I'm not immune to any of that. Gosh, not you're human. Yeah, yeah. But the truth of the matter is that do I weigh them differently now? Yes. When I think about it later at night and you were so angry or so upset or you're worrying, do I think about it differently? Yes, of course, because my whole perspective has changed, but those things still come to me. You know, I can't help that. And now you are unbelievably busy. You live in one city. You live in L.A. You work in San Francisco. <laughs> you are on the plane almost all the time. Yes. How do you manage to take care of you? Mm-hmm. And what are some of the rituals or practices that you have integrated in your life to make sure that you don't burn out? Yes. Well, you know, it's so funny. I, I get asked so much when I sleep. You know, people ask me that all the time. Like, when do you sleep? We see you from here to there and this event and that event. And I find it such a crazy thing because I love sleep so much. That's the one thing I won't sacrifice. I really cannot. I mean, I don't even know how to, like, behave without my sleep. sleep. I would be a horrible person to be around cranky. Oh, my God. And how much is your optimal sleep? How much do you need? Eight hours. Yeah. Eight hours is my optimal. I'm an eight-hour girl, too. Yeah. Are you? Oh, I love it. Yes. I love eight hours of sleep. And I really do try very hard to stick to that. It's actually incredibly rare when I don't. And I'm a great napper. So I nap a lot. <laughs> so if you don't get your eight hours, you yeah. nap. So yeah, where do I you nap. nap at Uber? Do you ever nap there? I don't I don't nap you at the office. You should open a nap room. You know what? That's a very good yes. idea. We should have a nap room. Mm-hmm. In fact, we I'm, have I'm a nap going room to suggest that. Yeah. I love that. Uh, but I nap in a lot of places. I nap in a car, you know, now that I take Uber everywhere. Uh, I nap on the plane a lot. Ooh, I love a, a long mm. flight. Oh, I'll just I'll curl up. Like, in fact, yesterday I have these um, amazing the cashmere my, yes, the splurge that I have as these, advertised on Instagram. Oh my goodness, this cashmere set that is just delicious. I mean, you just feel like you're wrapped in a pillow. Oh, it's fabulous. I could sleep anywhere, so I do. So that's a real gift. That's a that's but a you're real also gift. recognized that sleep is a non-negotiable. And I tell people, all the science says very clearly, unless you have a genetic mutation Mm. and about 1% of the population does and you don't (laughs) need a lot of sleep, the rest of us need seven to nine hours. Where you are in that is individual. So you're an eight-hour girl. I am. And trying to get it most of the time changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, when I became a parent, it changed because before that, yeah, I could go out late and, you know, be out with my friends and then wake up and like rush to get ready to go to work, you know, in like half an hour and rush out the door. I can't do that as a parent, especially when Leal was little. You know, you need a, a, a few hours. Get yourself together, get her together, get the preparations for the day ready, all that stuff. And so then that meant my bedtime had to be earlier. So I had to adjust. Right. I couldn't go out to the club late. Well, I was still going to the club sometimes. (laughs) I can't lie. But, you know, like you adjust your life so that you can do those things. But, yeah, I love that. And I pray. I pray a lot. Uh, In fact, I I really enjoy praying, which to me is less about asking for something to happen in my life than really acknowledging the things that are already happening Mm -hmm. or being grateful for whatever happened in that day. Uh, I think there are lots of different ways to capture that or ways that people talk about that. But I just, I call it prayer. You know, I enjoy that very much, especially at the end of the day. Or if I'm going into a day that I'm worried about, right? you know, taking Which a moment. Which is basically just a connection with the spiritual yes. part of you and of yeah. the world. Yes. 
Okay, we're now going to take a quick break to share a sleep tip brought to you by our sponsor, Sleep Number, because sleep makes the difference for a thriving mind, body, and soul. Today's sleep tip is to nap wisely. Research shows how naps strengthen some of our key cognitive functions, including memory. For example, researchers at a German university found that naps can lead to a five-fold improvement in information retrieval from memory. And according to David Randall, the author of Dreamland, even a short nap primes our brains to function at a higher level, letting us come up with better ideas, find solutions to puzzles more quickly, identify patterns faster, and recall information more accurately. So there is such a thing as a power nap. This sleep tip was brought to you by Sleep Number, the bed that knows you, senses you, and adjusts to you. Only at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. So the idea of you getting ready in half an hour is very interesting. Can you get ready in half an hour with your hair? Your I just saw nails, you taking like total I'm stock looking, of me. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at you. How long did it take you this morning? To this get morning, ready? it took me about 45 minutes. You know, yeah, because and that's you with sleep the shower. With your hair like that. I do, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so you know, that doesn't take too long because no. you do it how often? Yeah, I mean, this is, but this is like my natural sort of, you know, it's harder for me to straighten my hair than it is to keep right. it straight than it is to let it be its its natural fro. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like you know, but listen, I'm a total glam girl. Like I do full face makeup. I got my nails done. You know, the outfit is on point, the, you know, the shoes are right, the bag is right, it changes every day. So I'm not skimping <laughs> on my glam, but I just do it really fast now. You know, I've got the tricks done. I've got it done. So, you know, it's so interesting because you and I love each other. Yes. And we couldn't have a more different approach to glam. <laughs> so I'll, I love glam, too. I, yeah. I love beautiful clothes. Mm-hmm. I love beautiful mm-hmm. bags. Yeah. But here's what I do. I love repeats. You are famous for I'm your famous. repeats. I, I yes. have a repeat movement, which oh I think goodness. when you join one day, oh maybe, maybe in 20 years. Am I being okay, recruited right I'm now? Not, no, no, no. I mean, I have, I have modest expectations <laughs> that you will join the repeat movement right now. But, you know, I, I'm hopeful and optimistic. Okay. And it may happen, as I said, in 20 years from yes, now, whatever. Yes, yes. But so I love beautiful clothes. Mm-hmm. But I love repeating them. Yes. The reason for that is that it takes some of the stress out of my life. And I know I love this. <laughs> I know how it looks on me. It worked well. It worked well. Yeah. Okay, I'll wear it. And the same <laughs> thing with bags. A lot of girlfriends give me bags. So mm-hmm. I have this amazing array of bags. And just today I switched bags after like two months of oh carrying the same bag. There is so no is way. bag that I'm carrying today. Let me what see. Oh, that is cute. Oh, I love that. It's cute. Yes, with the white, with a little pink in there. Beautiful. But this is my beautiful bag, bag, by the way. Probably you'll be seeing it for the next two months. Oh my God, Ariana! (laughs) You know what? That see, but that that to me is like impossible. I know, but that's why I'm stating it. Yeah, and I I, hear that also to indicate that you can love somebody with whom you have. (laughs) Completely different habits. And the other thing, of course, yes. is shoes. Oh. Okay. Stiletto okay. shoes. Yeah. You're baby. not, you're not into not, it. No, no. I'm into maximum kitten heel. Oh, right. Maximum kitten heel. Maximum kitten heel. I have flats wherever Ooh, possible. Yeah. Gorgeous flats. I'm gorgeous sure kitten heels. Yes. But no, we can just agree to disagree on this. Yes. Shoe. But no, for me, it's, I mean, more, it's not so much disagree. It's more like acknowledging that there are different ways yes. to. 
dress and to be right. and that we need to pick what works for us. Yes, that's right. So let's say if somebody's listening now and mm-hmm. it's a big effort for them to change bags every day yeah. or clothes yeah. every day and wear high heels, you don't have to. No, you don't. That's really the thing that's I'm saying. Really, that's you, exactly okay, it. Okay, guys, you're I hearing it that. from boss. Yes. You're hearing it from boss. Okay, <laughs> say it again. Preach, boss, <laughs> preach. Which is that, you know, this, but this is the message, right? We should show up as ourselves. Exactly. All the time, 100% of the time. And if yourself is in high heels and yes. fabulous new clothes every time and myself is in kitten heels or yes. flats and yes. the same thing, perfect. Beautiful. Own Show up it. as yourself. Own it, right? Own it totally. Because trying to be somebody else is failure. You know, right? That we can only celebrate being ourselves. And so, yes. And I want to see the beauty in you and in the beauty of the other person who's maybe wearing combat boots and jeans. Right. Or great Nike shoes. Yes, or, or some Nikes. By the way, I just got into some Nikes. I know. I saw you. Day. I love I know. that. I'm, I'm starting great. to. I'm starting so, to dabble in the sneakers. I know. I, know. I mean, it's not. You know so what I'm saying? It's it may not, not take time, twenty years. It may take five. You mm-hmm. never know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but yes, be your whole self. I mean, that right? It just it just applies to everything, not just clothes, but everything. Every uh, every every aspect. aspect. Yeah. So you did a funny post not long ago saying that you sometimes have shitty Mondays. <laughs> And that when that happens, you put your feet up on the table and with a nod to Paul Simon, kick them to make sure you still have diamonds on the soles of your shoes. That's right. I love that idea. (laughs) So explain more about how do you deal with these bad days that sometimes we Mm. all wake up with, especially if we haven't had a full allotment of sleep. I'm telling you. Well, the thing about bad days is that sometimes we're not in charge of those circumstances, right? I feel that sometimes you do wake up on the wrong side of the bed, whereas you go out into the world and everything could be sunshine and roses, but somehow it just looks like gray skies and dirt. You know, that sometimes that is our own outlook that is causing the bad day. And sometimes you can wake up and see the sunshine and somebody will just come put an umbrella over your head, you know, and say there is no sunshine today. You know, and so depending on the circumstance, there is a moment where I, for myself, because I've noticed this, for me, that I do need to stop, you know, stop in the day. Like, you know, when it feels like, okay, that just happened bad, that happened bad, that happened bad. I'm like, uh-oh, let's let's stop this cycle. There's something happening in the force, in the universe. I need to stop, acknowledge, and then change direction. Mm. You know, and I find that to be very powerful for me. You know, it's like, I, I remember a girlfriend once said, oh, you know, something bad happened to her. She was like, oh, two more bad things are going to happen because, you know, things happen in threes. And I was like, what the hell kind of calling bad things to yourself is that kind of hot mess? You know, I was like, why don't you just stop for a second and redirect the energy? Whatever it is. I don't know what it is that's happening to you. Okay, that's calling all these bad things to you. But you might want to just stop and distract. Because I refuse to be the victim of a bad day. So to me, that song, the Paul Simon song, which I love, it's one of my favorites, you know, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. It's a great uh, Afrobeat song. And my dad used to play it in the car when he would drive us to school, I have three younger sisters. And uh, when we lived in Accra, he would drive us to school every morning. And that was one of his, Paul Simon was one of his favorites. And so he would play that song. And it, it has literally become the theme song for my life, you know, which is like, it doesn't matter where I'm walking. It's like I walk like there is there's just gems on the bottom of my feet. And I'm walking that way all the time. And so, yeah, when it's a bad day, I stop. 
I account for all of the crazy and the energy. And I'm like, is it you or is it me? <laughs> and I try to fix it. And then, yeah, I redirect so that I can make sure to have a better day. I don't, I don't want to sign off any days that are bad and just let them be bad to me. I love that. Yeah. Because for me, it's really how quickly can we course correct? Yes. There's nobody who always lives in that center, joyful, amazing place. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. The question is, how quickly do we get back to it? Yes. That's yes. the gift. That's the gift. That's the gift. And to recognize it. I mean, it sometimes happens even in the small things. You know, it's like I'm running through the airport and I stop for that tea and somebody forgot to put the cream in or something like that. You know, something very drastic, <laughs> you know, detrimental has happened. It's ruined everything. You know, even in that moment, I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. OK, this because the cream is missing. doesn't mean I'm going to miss my flight. OK, I'm going to still get there. It's going to be just fine. You know, it's like sometimes you just got to acknowledge that stuff because that will mess you up. Think about how many times something really small has happened in your life or in your day. Somebody says something wrong to you or looked at you the wrong way. I mean, like the little things that then ruined your whole day. You know, like if we just stopped and acknowledged that and said, ah, okay, I see this for what it is. I'm going to switch my energy and my positive outlook so that I can have a great day. And despite that thing. Yeah. And what is your relationship with your devices? How does that affect your day? Like your. You're on social media a lot. Mm-hmm. You post stories. You post Instagrams, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. How do you set boundaries? Mm-hmm. Because we are all slightly addicted, let's face it. Yeah. Uh, I know I have to set boundaries. How do you set boundaries? Well, or do you? I do actually set boundaries. I set boundaries uh, before I met you. <laughs> and you changed a little bit of my rules or your influence did. Uh, and actually a practical gift, too. Yeah, I find that even back in the day when we were less addicted to our cell phones as the main mode of communication, I found it really annoying when people would be in meetings with their laptops open and, like, typing away. Yeah. I just find it so disrespectful. Disrespectful and also distracting. People aren't looking at each other or not paying attention to what's happening in the room. And even then, starting with that, it's like I, I never go to a meeting with my laptop, actually, mm-hmm. even now. I feel like sometimes people do it for appearances sake, you know, and sometimes for practical because they feel like, oh, my God, I'm going to miss an email. And there's some things that then fall down because you don't do that. Right. I, I, I do miss a lot of emails. That's that's a terrible thing. But if I didn't miss any, it would mean that whenever I'm in meetings, which I'm in a lot, I'm back to back almost every day that I wouldn't be connecting with the people right. in the room. You know, and so when when would that be? You know, it's like I have to wait until the breaks that I can quickly go on and answer, answer, answer emails. But in the middle of the meeting, I just can't do that. And I don't do it with my phone either. So when when I'm in a meeting or I'm at dinner or whatever else, my phone is usually in my purse or like away. Because I just I, I think it's part of the respect thing. I don't want anyone to ever think that I'm not wholly present in the moment. And even when I'm like, you know, I have to stay on time. Now I've used other tricks, you know, where it's like I have somebody else in the meeting tell me that the time is up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or somebody who's like wearing a watch because I don't wear a watch. And so I have to use my device. But if I look at it, you know, then I feel like, oh, man, now I'm engaged in the phone, you know. Absolutely. Um, And then after I met you was when I started realizing about the bedtime thing, you know, and not sleeping with my device next to me because one yeah, if I ever have those, you know, moments where either I can't sleep or I'm going too bad, but I'm looking at my phone and then it's just totally distracting. So now, so now I don't. 
You don't sleep with your phone. No, anymore. I don't. Can you imagine? Because you got your little phone back I that did. I gave you. Yes, that you gave right. me for a gift. Yes, and, um, thank you. And when you wake up in the morning, do you rush to your phone as the first thing? No, I don't. I don't. Because, well, that was actually a lesson too, which I feel like whatever emails or text messages have come in during the evening or in that early morning are usually not in service to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> There's rarely an email which is like, Bose, I want to solve all your problems today. You know? It's usually the, can you fix this? Can you do that? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Get back to me right now. You know? And if I start my day like that, oh, God, it just feels awful. That you know? is such an incredible lesson. Yeah. Because what's incoming is normally everybody else's agenda for you. Oh, totally. A hundred percent. you need to be clear on what's your agenda for you. Correct. Yes. And I learned that really quickly because, again, it feels like, you know, setting up yourself for a great day or a bad day. How many times have you seen an email or a text message early in the morning and it's totally changed your entire day? Right. Because you, know? you, you don't have your armor yet. You're no, you don't. You're not ready to face You're not your ready. Day. You're in this twilight zone. You just zone. woke up. You know, you're probably still dreaming. You know, so it's like I would much rather, you know, take my shower, put on my my lipstick, which is a kind of an armor. <laughs> You know, say hello to my daughter, find out how she slept, get all those things going before I touch my phone. Because once I touch it, it's probably on and popping. There's something I've got to answer. There's somebody I got to get back to. And then I'm I'm in the day. So I'd rather just hold off for a little bit. And it's it's been weaned. You know, it's not like it happened in one day. Right. Of course not. And we all backtrack sometimes, but we know. Yeah. What's the best way to be when yeah, it comes to our yeah, phones? Yeah. And I think for, you know, as a parent, because I travel so much, you know, I, I am concerned about what's happening with my daughter, where she is, what she's doing. You know, you're always like, oh, maybe there's an emergency. So I get that. Yeah. But that means that then I set certain alerts. So like, for instance, my phone, like the ringer for a phone call is on at nighttime, especially when I'm traveling, because then I know my mom knows that she can reach me that right. way. Should something happen, she can call me and I'll hear it. But like my email alerts or text messages, nah, I'm, I'm, yeah, something is happening. Somebody's going to call me. Right. So that's, the, that's what's on. And rarely will somebody call me at 1 a.m. unless you know it's for something else. <laughs> oh, tell us about that something Oh, my else. God. I know I should have said that. Know, that was like, as soon as that joke came out, I, I was know. like, oh, no, bring it back, bring but it back. But you did. You can't bring it back now. <laughs> so are you ready to fall in love? Oh, my gosh, Ariana, that's such a big question. Yes. Uh, you're not in love yet. No, I'm not I in know, love because, yet. because uh, I haven't heard about it, and I would have been very upset I know. I know. if you had suddenly fallen in love no. without sending me an immediate text I would, about I would it. To- I would tell you immediately. Exactly. Immediately. No, so I'm not in love yet. But, yes, I am, I'm very open. I've told God, and I've told the universe. You know, I was like, I'm open. I'm ready. So you just send the person along. I'm so right here. You, um, <laughs> I, do you go on um, any sites? You know what? I probably should. That could probably help. I but don't. But you haven't done it I yet. haven't done that yet. I, I don't, you know, I haven't really set myself up for this person to show up. So that's my next, that's my next step. Right. So you at know? the moment, first is the willingness yes. and the openness. Yes. And then is the taking steps. Correct. And letting all your friends. Yes. And Ooh. everybody listening right now. Oh, my God. That boss is now open for business. Oh <laughs> this is amazing. 
<laughs> Watch, I'm probably going to find the love of my life given this now call to action that you've made, Ariana. Exactly, you. because you never Thank know. You. We, we have to actually be clear yes. to the universe, you yes. know, what our wishes are. I believe that. I did make it a moment, you know, where I was like, okay, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Shall love be looking for me? My arms are open. Exactly. Palms up. Let's go. So, yes. Should anyone out there in the world, Ariana, you included, know no of any anyone. eligible people who are looking for badass to love? I'm right here. Okay, perfect. I hope everybody heard that. And uh, any ideas, any suggestions, please let us know. We are both on social oh media. You can oh. tell her directly oh or you God. can tell me and I will um, intercede. I mean, I, I had no expectations that this was going to happen today. So this is amazing. Thank you, Ariana. I appreciate it. We go with the flow. I know. We do. We do. We love it. You know, one of the through lines in your career has been the way you're able to use pop culture to reach people. Mm. Uh, and you once said that one of the reasons you turned to pop culture as a child was because it was a way to communicate with your white classmates. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that and the role that pop culture played in your life before you even started using it at work. There's a story that I, I don't actually think I've I've told anyone. So I moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado with my family when I was 12. And I, tell the world where from. Oh, from Ghana. From <laughs> yes, Ghana. exactly. Yes, Not everybody Ghana. knows that. Directly so from you're Ghana. You are born in Ghana. Yes. And actually, I born in, in uh, Connecticut. Yes, born in Connecticut. grew up in you Ghana. grow up in Ghana. Yeah. And then at the age of 12, yes. you move to, to Colorado, Colorado Springs, Springs, Colorado. Which is not a diverse place. You know, my classmates and my teachers had a lot of questions about where I was from. So I spent a lot of time educating, you know, which at 12, who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. But I really did need a way to connect to my classmates. And it was at the height of John Elway's popularity and the Denver Broncos, right? They were on a high. I mean, it was just, you know, 1989. It was fabulous time for Denver (laughs) and football. And the football I knew was what is called soccer here, right? The Black Stars of Accra, that was our team, you know, football team. And so I got here and I was like, oh, football, yeah, I know football. But it was the wrong football. And I would go to school and everyone would be in their orange and blue and wearing all the Denver Broncos gear. And so I went home after, you know, probably the first week or so and told my mom that I needed, I needed the clothes that everybody else was wearing. I couldn't go to school and just what I had, I needed the Denver Broncos stuff. So she took me to JCPenney. Uh, we bought a whole bunch of Denver Bronco gear. And I remember I wore it on a Friday to school when it was like school spirit day. And I mean, I was head to toe. I had on the beanie. <laughs> I had a T-shirt. I had the sweatshirt. I had the socks. I mean, I had everything on. And one of the girls in my science class, like she came up to me and she was like, oh, my gosh. I, said, I didn't know you were a Denver Broncos fan. You know, like she was so amazed. And I was like, yes, I am. You know, like I was like, yes, 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 I am. I am. You know, thinking, oh, my God, finally, somebody's speaking to me who thinks I speak English. You know what I mean? Like I speak fluently and better than you, but it's okay. That's fine. You know, she invited me to come to her house on Sunday to watch the game. Right. And so I was ecstatic. I go home. I'm so excited. I tell my mom. And because, I mean, we are proper Africans, Sunday came around and I put on my Sunday best. You know, I had on this beautiful dress. I had my white socks that folded over with the ruffle, you know, and my hard, like, you know, bottomed, uh, like, shoes. Yes, they were beautiful. These little Mary Janes. I remember the outfit very well. I was very proud of this outfit, this look. And so I go to her house, like, thinking, you know, this is it. Like, I look amazing. Can't wait. And she opens the door. And I remember the way her face fell, you know, looking at me like, 
fuck do you have on? <laughs> you know? And I walk in and I was so embarrassed. Everyone, it was like her cousins and her brothers and her dad and like, you know, some other members of family, like all had on all their Denver Bronco gear because it was Sunday football, you know, and it was prime time. It was, everybody was ready. And I was sitting there feeling so embarrassed. Clearly on Monday, she didn't speak to me at school. <laughs> I, was, I was so ashamed. But I realized in that moment that, what I was doing was trying to connect to somebody who I didn't know and just using what they liked to get to them, but without full understanding of what it was that I was doing or why I was doing it, there was no way a connection was going to be made that I would make an easy mistake like that, you know, because to me, Sunday was a day to get in your Sunday best. It was time to look sharp, you know, not the day to put on all that crap, you know, (laughs) what I thought anyway, but obviously I could not have articulated that at 12. But I can but articulate now, that now. You can, and you are helping yeah. so many people yeah. in Silicon Valley and beyond in your new job. Let's talk about that. Because yes. you have become a huge champion of diversity, mm-hmm. of equality, yeah. but you've been through it yourself. So yes. you speak with a passion and a personal connection to the issue. Correct. And yeah. I also love the fact that you've said very clearly that it's not just for women and African-Americans to solve the problem of diversity, that everybody should be making noise. Yes, everyone should be making noise. It's kind of the, um, you know, the example of the football gear is the same here, you know, which is that you can't just put on this cloak of diversity and pretend, you know, that you know what you're talking about. I want you to get into it. You know, I want everyone to get into it. I want you to study it. I want you to know it. I want you to have empathy for it. I want you to cheer when we get the wins. I want you to cry when we get the losses, all of that. And that does not just apply to women of color or women in general. We need white men to do that, too. In this example, I'm freaking the like the John Elway. You know what I mean? I'm the John Elway of diversity and inclusion, you know? And I need the people in the stands and the folks who are the fly-by-night fans to put on the gear and know the game. Come in and help. Cheer. Literally push the ball down the field. Please. For me, it's not superficial. It needs to be something much deeper. And have you found a lot of allies, both within Uber and outside Uber? Yeah. I think a lot of people say the right thing, that we want diversity and inclusion, which, by the way, is a a good start. I'm not at all poo-pooing that at all. We all need to say it. But now I need people to do it. You know, and that has been my recent challenge to everyone, not just in Silicon Valley, but that, you know, we keep pointing to leadership to make these changes. We keep saying, well, why isn't my CEO making these policies and making, you know, these demands of our HR leaders to find the people? And I'm like, well, what happened to you? You know, we all claim to have black friends. Well, find a black friend. (laughs) Bring them along. (laughs) You know, it's like every time there's an issue, people are like, oh, well, I have plenty of black friends. But where are they when there's a job opening? You know, like, how about you recommend them, champion them inside? You know, if you're a hiring manager, hire somebody who doesn't look like you. Basically, it's a call to everybody. To everybody. To everybody. Even if you're not a hiring manager. I was making a joke the other day, but it's actually true, which is that I want white men to go into their offices and look around and say, you know what? There's a lot of white people here. I feel uncomfortable (laughs) in this situation. You know, there's, there's too many of us around here. Like, I don't think we need to change things up, you know? And it sounds like a joke, but I'm being serious. Mm -hmm. You might not be able to hire people, but I want you to go into your boss and tell them there's just too many people who look the same around. So can we change that? 
So in the last few months, you've become more and more political. Mm -hmm. This is obviously a particularly charged moment in our culture. You know, a lot of people are living in constant outrage. You know, others are resigned or cynical. But I love what you once said, that we spend far too much time complaining mm. about the way things are and forget that we have the power to change anything and everything. So how can people nurture that belief in their power to change not just their lives, mm. but what's happening around everywhere? Yeah. Again, I think we look to leadership to change everything for us, to govern our lives. But why do we do that? You know, that even in this very moment of cultural mayhem, I will call it, you know, where we are so unwilling to understand or hear somebody's different point of view, you know, and know that it is valid and okay, even if you don't necessarily agree on topics, that people are allowed to have their point of view, but with empathy. Why can't we do that day to day? And it's interesting, actually, now that I'm an Uber that I feel that we can even do that as a brand and as a company, foster that kind of connection between people. Because literally we do it every single day, you know, where people get into cars with a driver who sometimes is nothing like them. Could we even start there with that kind of dialogue? Mm -hmm. Or you're in pool. You pick up somebody who also is, I mean, listen, those are not forced conversations now. You know, somebody want to talk to you and leave it alone. <laughs> But could we do that? You know, there are some brands who have done a really good job of even showing that. There was a beer commercial I saw the other day where, you know, it's like two people are sitting across from each other or they enter a room and they don't know that each of them have opposing viewpoints on a singular topic. And they're asked, will you sit down and have a beer with this person, you know, and talk about it? And everyone agrees, not agrees on the subject, but agrees right. to talk. And I think that's the beginning of it, that we spend a lot of time complaining, but we really can't change it. And it takes all of us to do it, that collectively we will actually change the way that our society is because singularly we have decided that we want to change it. So, Boz, you're one of the very few people with whom I can talk about collectively changing the world, stiletto shoes, <laughs> and death, the Denver yes. Broncos, I mean, our daughters, amazing, and everything in between. And I cherish you for that. And thank I love you. you for that. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being our guest. And thank you to everybody for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Thrive Global Podcast with iHeartRadio on your favorite podcast app. And stay tuned to thriveglobal.com and iHeartRadio for updates on new episodes. And in the meantime, go to thriveglobal.com for tips to start thriving today. Thank you. The Thrive Global podcast is grateful to our sponsor, Sleep Number. If you aren't sleeping well, it could be your mattress. The Sleep Number bed lets you adjust each side to your ideal comfort. And it contours to your head, neck, shoulders and hips, relieving pressure points. Discover the difference at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. 
Hey guys, it's Bobby Bones. I host the Bobby Bones Show, and I'm pretty much always sleepy because I wake up at three o'clock in the morning. A couple hours later, I get all my friends together, and we get into a room and we do a radio show. We share our lives, we tell our stories, we try to find as much good in the world as we possibly can, and we look through the news of the day that you'll care about. Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their lives and music too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on 98.7 WMZQ in Washington, D.C. Or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app.